Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Katie Dilbow and you are listening to Let It Out, hosted by me. This week's episode is one of those ones, if you've been listening for a while, I often say it's an episode I love, and of course it is, but if you've been listening for a while, a couple weeks ago I had Ruby Warrington on the podcast, who's actually friends with today's guest, Nicole. Anyway, we all were at Wonderlust together, and my episode with Ruby and this episode with Nicole have that same feeling of just feeling very in my element when I was recording this. This is how I want these podcasts to go. If you didn't like that episode, you don't like this episode, maybe go into the archives and not moving forward because this is how I really want this podcast to be and feel, which is natural and organic and long and meandering And that's how I felt recording this podcast a couple weeks ago in Williamsburg, Brooklyn with Nicole. And Nicole is an entrepreneur. She's a mom. She's the CEO of this startup called Splendid Spoon. And you'll hear how we met. She was actually my roommate at Wanderlust, which we'll talk about. But she has two kids and she is a working mom who inspires me so much. She's founded this company. She's the big spoon at Splendid Spoon, which is this soup company, a soup meal delivery company. And they do soup cleanses, but not in a diety sort of way. Everything they do is fresh and bioavailable, and it's really cool. And I've gotten to try their products, which I love, but this is not a sponsored podcast by any means. This is just me talking to my friend. And I love Splendid Spoon, so open to it, but not a sponsored podcast episode. But if you do want to check them out after this episode, feel free. I want to just tell you some of the products that they have because I I pulled it up while I was doing the show notes for this. Everything I've had is delicious. Some of the soup flavors include mushroom with steel-cut oats, carrot lentil curry, tomato and turnip, They have a kitchery. They have so many cool things, you guys. Beet balsamic, vegan bone broth, cauliflower coconut. The point is, they're really great. And if you do want to check them out and buy something, I did get you a discount code. So use the code LETITOUT at checkout. That's LETITOUT, the name of the show, which gives you $20 off your first order. And that's of any kind of plan that they have. And they ship all over the country. It's not just here in New York. So you'll hear the whole story on how Splendid Spoon was founded. But that's like a tiny portion of what we talk about. We talk about divorce. Uh, Nicole recently went through a divorce and has two young kids. And you don't really hear people talking about divorce, especially when it's recent and you have young kids. So that was really interesting. We talked about mindfulness quite a bit. And we talked about her path of working in magazines. She worked for Wired. She moved to New York. She did research and actually studied science and worked in a lab in college and has some really interesting research around nutrition and how that led her to going to school to become a chef and then eventually starting her company. I love this episode. I love how meandering it was. I love how we went on this tangential journey together where we covered so many different things in a really natural way. And I just had a great time recording it, and I hope you love listening to it as well. 
I'm going to get right to it, but first I want to thank the sponsors for this week's podcast, and stick around after the episode because I will let you know who's coming up on the show next week and the emoji for this episode. Today's show is brought to you in part by Franklin & Whitman, one of my favorite all-natural, plant-based, preservative-free, cruelty-free skincare lines. They have hair care, they have men's grooming products. It actually all started from Chris, the founder, wanting a beard oil that he could use. And they even have pet products. And one of the things that I love is that they have a social mission and they pledge to donate 5% of all of their sales to dog rescue organizations all across the country. They truly care about their customers and the environment and honestly making the world a better place. Chris, the founder, is one of my best friends, and he genuinely believes in being boldly simple using ingredients and using less ingredients and more really great ingredients like essential oils and oils that your body actually needs. I've been using the products. Their face masks are my favorite. They use a superfood as the first ingredient in every single face mask, and my skin has been loving it. I think yours will too. Check them out. If you use the code Katie at checkout, that's my name, K-A-T-I-E, you get 20% off your order. And that's anytime you want to order, you can use the code Katie and that gets you 20% off. That's a lot of percents off, you guys. Check them out. I love Franklin and Whitman. I love Chris. Thank you so much for helping me to do this podcast. Thank you so much to Cara Vitamins for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I have been using Cara for a while now, and I love them, and maybe you already love them too. Getting the right supplements that your body actually needs can be complicated, and you might not know what you need to be taking, what you're getting from the food that you're eating, and what you still need to supplement, but Cara makes it easy. If you go to their website and you take a short quiz that's actually really fun to take. It asks you questions about your lifestyle, your diet, your sleep, your energy levels. And from there, it curates for you a custom set of vitamins that your body likely needs. And then if you buy them from Care-of, which you probably should because they source the best, most quality ingredients in your supplements and they deliver them to you at the best price possible, And here's the best part, they come in a beautifully packaged container that's even personalized with your name. They come in little on-the-go containers that you can just shove in your bag. They're great for traveling. I love them. Anyway, I think you guys should check them out. Again, you get these personalized daily packs of vitamins, which are so convenient, easy to take with you. The quiz is really fun. They are a boutique vitamin store that helps you figure out what your unique body needs because we're so different. Anyway, I think you guys should check them out. Use the code Katie at checkout and that's good for 50% off your first order. That's half off your first order and just check them out. Again, the code's Katie. So go to takecareof.com. That's takecareof.com and enter the code Katie at checkout for 50% off your first order. Thank you so much to Kara for helping me do this podcast. It's my favorite thing I do, and I really appreciate you, and thank you for checking them out and supporting the sponsors. And let's get to today's episode. 
Oh, one more thing I want to mention at the top of the show before we get to the episode is my friend and past two-time podcast guest, Robin Euclid, is doing something called the Chewing Challenge, which really fits well with this episode because we talk about mindful eating and presence and awareness and chewing is really important and I'll just let Robin explain that so you can go back and listen to my episodes with her if you want to figure out who she is or if you want to join the chewing challenge join it's going to be really fun I'm going to do it the link will be in the show notes thank you so much for doing this I'm so glad we finally got it scheduled I know me too um so how did we meet we were were roommates at Wanderlust a couple nights I think one night yeah I mean it was such a big space I feel like yeah we, we had actually like had too home. much space yeah we didn't get to know exactly. each other so well while we were there if we would have been in like a normal hotel room it would have been very different but right. we had like we had a house basically right totally <laughs> it was very bizarre because there was like the the people whose home it was photos around and I know did you notice that yeah I did notice that it confused me I yeah. didn't like understand what the full setup me was either. until I saw the photos and yeah I was like, oh this is like this someone's, someone's time home. chair yeah this is their like ski home yeah and they're not here I know. <laughs> well I wished that I would have gotten to spend more time with you and so I'm glad we got coffee like soon after to mm-hmm. get the ball rolling and then after that I, I was like okay this person is so cool and we have such a great vibe together I can't wait to be your friend and be connected and all that same way. <laughs> oh, good. Well, we did it. We made it happen. Um, so before we get to your story and Splendid Spoon and everything about you, <laughs> I've been really liking starting each episode in the present. Okay. So what have you been pondering or realizing or learning super mm-hmm. recently, like mm-hmm. in the past today or week or month? Mm-hmm. So, I have two little boys, and someone said to me once, uh, you birth your own healer, Mm. and I think about that a lot because it's really hard. It's really hard to be a mom, it's really hard to be a single mom, and it's really hard to balance it with my work, and I find that when I'm stressed, it's even harder. And I have come to see that as my kids really picking up on my stress. And it honestly, like it kind of brings out some of the worst of me that I've ever seen. And that is so humbling and, um, like difficult. Uh, and repeating that phrase to myself, uh, that you birth your own healer is helpful to see it as, a, like a path for growth as opposed to just like what is wrong with me <laughs> yeah 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 you really have a lot on your splendid spoon I, I do plate, I have a lot on my spoon <laughs> you have quite a lot on your spoon how old are they Grover is four I love that name thanks so it's much cool, yeah it's a family name so really so is Caleb yeah they both have um their first name comes from my mom's side and then their middle name comes from their dad's mom's side oh, okay yeah. Uh, so Grover's four and Caleb is two and a half. So that's kind of, I heard the twos are like really challenging. Yeah, it's interesting. Caleb, my younger son, is just like a very different personality. He's really pretty easygoing by nature. And Grover is very similar to me in that like he really notices everything, but it makes him very sensitive to everything. Mm-hmm. And so that creates like a pretty intense personality. Uh, and that's 
why like he becomes my mirror to anything that is going on with me even if I'm not you know explaining it to him he just kids are like animals they just like pick up on all of it how are you handling that how do you handle your stress with it um, I awareness. try, yeah, awareness, I feel like I'm just at the awareness stage, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, because it's gotten a little bit, it's gotten both better and more challenging as they've gotten older, mm-hmm. so it gets better in certain ways, but then, like, new challenges arise. I always try to have time for myself, um, and the funny thing about something as dramatic and kind of traumatizing as a divorce is that... I do have split custody with them now, so I'm either like all on with my kids or by myself. So I do have time to reset, which for me and my lifestyle like is is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have time to like do a long meditation, uh, go for a long run, or just like lie in bed until I feel like getting up, you know, like on a weekend when I don't have them. And that's really, really nourishing for me. Yeah. So is it every other weekend or every other Pretty much it's like every other weekend. And then during the weeks? And then during the weeks, it's kind of a funny schedule, but essentially it's like two nights on, two nights off, and then every other weekend. So when... And tell me if there's anything you don't want to talk about. Just no, I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty open. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, I think it's so helpful for people to hear yeah. those sorts of things. People don't talk about it that no. much either, especially like with young kids. Yeah, 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 this is great. So I'm curious about what you said there about having the alone time and that yeah. time to recharge for you being actually a good thing and a positive yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. But what I'm curious about is... At the beginning, I imagine that was pretty jarring from constantly having people around you all the time to yeah. not. Was that like a hard transition? Well, you know, not really. <laughs> I think I went from doing so much in a partnership that didn't really work um, to letting go of that and finding a new partnership with their dad that does work. So it's like, um, you know, when you're working on something and when you're not focusing on one thing at a time, like I'm a big believer in not multitasking. Mm -hmm. And I felt like a lot of my experience in my marriage with kids was um, an exercise in multitasking. Like I was trying to be this great wife, run, like start this business and like, it was so small at the time and then also be a mom all at once. Mm -hmm. And now, and it didn't work for me. It just like did not work. And now I can just be a mom with my kids when I'm with my kids and just be a CEO when Mm -hmm. I'm at work because I have, I'm lucky that I have a nanny during the day and I can just focus on me when I'm by myself and I guess maybe it's just how my brain is or how yeah. I'm like emotionally composed. But so, so when that structure revealed itself after my ex and I broke up, it was like hugely peaceful for me mm. because I'm actually, I would say probably if you like looked at all of the things that I do throughout the year or something, it's like very productive, but it feels so much more like sustainable Mm. yeah I love what you said there about multitasking and 
I agree, but how did you come to that realization? Or how did you realize that for yourself? That was really... So much of my life experience is, like, because I learned through example, I, I, I don't think I was really, like, a very good student, actually. I somehow kind of, like, made it. But I learned so much by experience. Mm-hmm. And my experience when I first had Grover and was running Splendid Spoon was... Um, just feeling so worn. I just felt so worn um, because I would take a call while he was in the stroller and like while I was breastfeeding and um, I was I just kept adding things scattered and it's what we talk about as like a productive person does that you just do these things yeah and I started to just kind of like pick things apart and say like, let me just try just feeding my baby and like just being here and how do I feel? Um, And actually some of it began when he would be crying a lot because that would like force me to not, you can't really think like when your baby's crying, you're put into such a high stress Mm -hmm. mode that... I would, I would just be like, all I can do is, like, be here and be patient, and it will end. Yeah. Like, I know that he will be calm yeah. soon. And then he would, and I would feel better. And I kind of, like, started to apply that, especially, I started especially with, like, difficult situations to be just there. And to just focus on that hard thing. Um, and then I started to kind of do it with like some of the easier things. Yeah. And the it, it's just as effective to be present to frustration and anger and um, sadness as it is to joy mm-hmm. and um, a feeling of accomplishment and feeling rested. Yeah. And I just started to feel better. Yeah. So it's funny because it really started at a place of, like, deep stress. (laughs) Um, And it's now just kind of how I live. And, um, you know, I was feeling like I was, like, looking haggard and things like that. And I feel like now I feel like... I'm refreshed. Yeah, and you like, always look refreshed. You have this great like energy about you that's very calming. Whenever I'm around you, I feel like ah, oh, good. Get, yeah, that's wonderful. It's, it's magnetizing. Yeah, that's it's really cool. Good. It's really cool. Yeah. So you know, I think it's like you just want to get that exhale. Mm-hmm. You, I think we maybe talked about this when we got a coffee, but what you mentioned there about. Are feeling our feelings, mm. which has been something that I've been thinking about and pondering myself for the mm-hmm. past like year or two, not that long. About what you said, of you know, we can't feel the richness of like joy and you know being in love and all these good feelings if we don't feel the you know sadness yeah. of some of the other feelings. I and mean, yeah. it's a spectrum, and you know we don't want to feel what we don't want to feel so we cope with right. you know turning to food or alcohol or mm-hmm. people or whatever mm-hmm. 
And then we also sometimes, I know this is true for me, when things get too good, I clench up and I don't want to feel that either. Right. And so how do you go about feeling your feelings? Is Like, I became aware of this from my therapist. Yeah. It wasn't really something I was aware of, but it sounds like you kind of mentioned it with that mindfulness of Mm. one thing at a time. So where are you with that? So I think my experience of it is that that phrase or that saying that you can't feel uh, like the ecstasy without the pain Mm -hmm. for me is that the practice of being present is what gives you the deep connection to the experience so if you can practice being present to something as uncomfortable as your baby screaming then you will have stronger muscles to be present to your happiness and your joy and you will be able to stay there with it and not flee it yeah and tell yourself that it's not real yeah um and I think that for me that's kind of what has revealed itself it's like oh it's not like the feeling of um being uncomfortable allows me to feel Mm -hmm comfort or pleasure it's that the practice of just staying there helps me to be present to all of that spectrum how do you remind yourself in the moment if you start to go out or you start to not be present what brings you back to presence just being aware that I'm leaving it and I think now that I've been practicing that for a few years I am aware that the monkey brain does not serve me yeah so I can say to myself, like, almost with logic, like, it's not like a logic exercise, yeah. but because we are so logic-driven as human beings, I can, as I'm trying to escape, you know, and I, we all have those coping mechanisms. Like, as I'm thinking about having a coffee or thinking about having a glass of wine or um, a cigarette, like, these are all things that I would prefer to do. <laughs> Then be present to discomfort. Yeah. Um, and it's not the like, oh, you shouldn't smoke that gets me back. It's the monkey brain doesn't serve you. Just be here. And um, somehow that's like now enough motivation for me to come back to. Uh, in the beginning, though, I would say because a lot of that practice began for me when, I mean, I had, like, migraines when I was a little kid, and uh, I've always been, like, a really anxious person, and before I went to culinary school, I was having a lot of anxiety and a lot of anger at work, and I found that by being present on my walk to work... Was this when you were working in magazines? Yeah. So you were working... I was actually at... I wasn't at Condé Nast at this time. I had left Condé Nast and gone to Bonnier. Okay. Um, and they had... They had Sever and Pop Science. And I just was feeling, like, really kind of resentful. Really at myself. But it was being projected as, like, nobody here, like, gets it. My talents are being wasted. You know, a lot of, like, just kind of nasty vibes Mm -hmm. and and then it was kind of starting to seep out into 
like I would get in a fight with my sister or my mom or my, I think we were engaged at the time, my ex. And it just felt awful to be so awful. And so I went back to some of my um, mindfulness books and just kind of reminded myself that there was nothing that was going to like, that my environment was safe. (laughs) That like there wasn't a bear coming. Mm. Um, And that gave me at least like a modicum of gratitude to just be in like a safe work environment every day. Mm. It was like I needed something to be appreciative of to to make my anger kind of like less charged and (laughs) this is like a long way of explaining my mindfulness journey but um so I would do that like anytime I would start to feel that like kind of like that just that like venom that comes that like acid feeling that Mm -hmm. for me kind of bubbles up in my chest when I'm feeling angry I would take a deep breath and like put my feet down on the floor and name a couple things that were nice about my environment. Mm. Like I would look around and be like, no one, no one's even like bothering me right now. Like I'm just, it's just me. I'm sitting. I'm not in a crowded train. I'm in a temperature controlled environment. (laughs) You know, like these things that I think we take for granted in our modern world. And it made me feel better. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it just it just helped. Yeah. So you mentioned you had migraines growing up as a kid, and you had these mindfulness yeah. books. So let's go all the way back to then. So mm-hmm. how, how remind me again where you grew up? Connecticut. So I grew up in mostly in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Um, we moved a little bit when I was younger, but just in New England. I was in Rhode Island for about eight years with my family too, and. Yeah, it was when I was pretty little, like around like first or second grade, I would be in the nurse's office lying down with a headache a lot. And I remember, I didn't practice mindfulness then. It was just like, Nicole has a parent's note to take an extra strength Tylenol was kind of what it was. Maybe I was a little older, but like from a a very early age. And one of the things, and I also had asthma, so I had trouble breathing. And so the things that I would do when I was in pain or when my breath was really shallow is I would look at patterns on um, like on my sofa or on a blanket. And I would just like go around and around like looking at the patterns. And this wallpaper. Yeah, like I <laughs> yeah, like this exactly the wallpaper in this room is similar. Like anything with a pattern I would just kind of like go around and around and follow it and like eventually it would just relax me yeah and uh later I I read when they started to come back again when I was in college I read somewhere that I think I read this that like if you imagine a wheel spinning in your head when you have a migraine like a slow wheel turning Mm -hmm that that can help too Mm, and it just kind of like released some of the my theory now is that my migraines came from like a very intense overactive like mind (laughs) that was just like 
yeah. wanting to, tr- like, disturbed by not having the answers to a lot of things. Yeah. And I think it creates, like, a knot. I also, I always had, like, knots in my back and just, like, I was very high strung mm-hmm. and tightly wound. Um, it sounds, like, intuitive. Like... Yeah, but we're not taught intuition. Right. And, I mean, I'm lucky that I have parents who taught that in their own way. Um, Is it just you and your sister? Yeah. Okay. And, and you guys are really close in age? We are. Yeah, we're two and a half, two and a half years yeah. apart. Yeah. Um, and we're really close. And you were close growing up, too? Mm-hmm. So yeah. how did your parents, you said they taught you mindfulness in their own way. What was kind of their language around that? Well, my dad would always say things like, just stop and smell the roses. You know, or like, what doesn't kill you is going to make you stronger. Yeah. Um, or, my, you know, my mom would always say, like, you need to just get it out. Like, I think it's cool, the title of your book. Yeah. And, and, like, she would say a that lot of times. That came from my mom. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah, because she would always say to me, like, if I was sick or had the flu or something, and mm-hmm. I'd be, like, in the bathroom, she'd be like, just let it out. Gotta yeah. Just let it out. Just gotta let it out. Let it out. Yeah, just let go. Like, the same with your mind. And it is. It's the same with your mind. And what I have found is that most of my life now... Uh, is leading with my heart. Mm-hmm. And I use my mind to problem solve certain things, but most of the time I try to really follow the signals of my heart. And that comes from letting go. Yeah. Because the signals of your heart are not heard when you have this overactive mind. Yeah. So, as a kid, what was kind of your language for explaining what was going on in your mind? I didn't really have any as a kid. You know, I just remember, you know, now as an adult, I look back and there were things that I was often drawn to. Like, I was always interested in spirituality and myth and storytelling and... um creative projects with a religion I grew up in my parents are Christian um Protestant and so we went to church um I felt connected to that community but I felt um like skeptical Mm -hmm. of the concepts yeah (laughs) of their logic I was like I don't know that this is quite right (laughs) yeah something about you know and I felt like it was I didn't... I've never understood things that are exclusive. Mm, well said. I agree. So that was always, like, hard yeah. for me. But I've always been interested in all different, like, religions and spirituality yeah. in general. So, so when you got older, making your own choices around that, how did you really get into mindfulness? And then it sounds like, and I know from what we talked about before... Mindfulness is such a big part of Splendid Spoon and mm-hmm. the work you do now with mindful eating and mm-hmm. mindful living, really. How mm-hmm. did that did that come into play when you were in college, or when did you really... It came into play mostly when I was, like, starting Splendid Spoon, because the story of Splendid Spoon is that I had gotten back into this, like, layering of just, like, I really wanted to start a business that had to do with food and wellness, and I was also becoming a mother mm-hmm. and I just was like kind of like stacking things again yeah. on top of myself. And 
again realizing like ah oh, this is just manic yeah. <laughs> it was just like this world of ups and downs and how can I be in a place that's like chill <laughs> that's what I talk about a lot I aim to be in a place that's like very like feet are like just a little bit above the ground but not too much and you're not like all the way taking off you're just like hovering a yeah. little bit it's like oh, this sort of like so chill you. neutral vibe that's so funny because <laughs> that's like totally the vibe I get from you that's cool yeah um and so I started these like mindful lunches because I was having trouble like sitting and meditating um and I was and I had found this success with that job previously of just like noticing, being aware, and being grateful for like little things in the right now. And so I made a little bit more of a ritual out of it with my food. And it all kind of started to come together for me that like the essence of being here and spirituality and what we're all kind of like grabbing for is always available. Mm-hmm. And I really started to feel that. Like, I really started to feel that in a moment with your food, you can have bliss. Mm. In a moment in an office that you normally would say, like, I hate my job, you can find deep contentment and peace. And the more present you can be to that, you can start connecting all of them. And then... You don't have moments, you have a life. Oh, I love that. That yeah. was like a fantastic sound bite. <laughs> I want to go back though. So, before Splendid Spoon, mm-hmm. so you went to school, and yep. I, I have in my notes that you, and I remember you telling me this, that you studied diet therapies as treatment yeah. for illness. Yep. And that was when you were at Boston BC. College. Yep. Yeah. So, when you were there, why did you, how did that come to be? So that's so interesting because when I first started at Boston College, I was an English major. That was I always loved like communication, mm-hmm. storytelling, and reading the stories of other people. And that, I would say, was always what I was naturally inclined to do and naturally good at. I think most of why I actually like got good grades in school, or decent grades at least, is because I was really good at like negotiating with my teachers. And I was good in the humanities. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> And, but a year in, I, like, anxiety started to kind of set in for me again, actually. And I was starting to really be concerned about what I would do. Like, what am I going to do with this degree? Um, And I have always been very interested in, like, how things work. And... Like, I was always the kid that was interested to, like, do the dissections in the biology class. And I was always collecting, like, bugs and leaves and things outside. Um, And so I started to... Biology became my major. So I started studying the sciences. And that was a huge struggle for me. Like, it really was not... Didn't come easily for me to... um, Biology and um, ecology, those were a little bit more my speed, but, like... I practically, I should have failed organic chemistry, probably should have failed physics. Um, and, but I loved the lab science. So I started to work in the biochemistry lab and I was a good lab researcher. Like I could, 
I could be very diligent about answering very specific questions over and over again with um, different variables being switched around. And I, it was very, it's kind of comforting for me mm-hmm. to have That's this fun. very simple, like direct way of looking at a question and trying to find an answer to it. And the lab looked at uh, different ancient diet therapies as treatment for things like epilepsy and cancer. And that was like deeply interesting to me because it was not drug therapy. Mm-hmm. I've always been... Like I grew up with a mom who was very, go outside and get some fresh air, that will heal you. And so it was really fascinating to me to maybe have some science around like these natural things that our body can do and it is in a lot of ancient um traditions you will go on a fast if you are sick um and so that's kind of what we were we were looking at what is the science behind that like is there any and there definitely is that makes sense because if you have the flu and you've been throwing up, your stomach is sick or you're nauseous, the last thing you want to do right. doesn't sound good. Right, right. And this is looking at even more things like when, it, when you have a tumor, if you lower some of your calories, then you will have less, um, it's called angiogenesis, so like there will be less new um growth of the arteries that are feeding blood to the tumor and the tumor will actually start to shrink in size in animal models yeah so and most of the science around it is that your body goes into a form of ketosis so you're you're burning ketones or fat instead of glucose Mm. and historically people would go through periods of time where they would have sort of like glucose metabolism and then ketone metabolism um, because we never knew when we would necessarily have a lot of food. We were like wandering around looking for seeds. Yeah. Sometimes someone would get a, like some fish or catch a bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating. So growing up, your mom was pretty holistic it sounds like how were you guys eating growing up what was your relationship to food it was like, like pretty you know a lot of my memory is growing food in the garden with my mom um my dad's mother was a I thought she was a great cook and she cooked a lot of Filipino food so there was a lot of like rice and a bowl of broth and vegetables wow. and um there was always like eggs and um different kinds of meat that were, would be kind of mixed in with different noodle dishes and it was because always really, dishes. really yummy. Um, and my mom always tried to have like a square meal. Like there was always like pork chops and applesauce and like a salad. Yeah. Um, but I think from a young age, I always had like kind of a fine taste for food because <laughs> when we would go to a nice restaurant, I would be like, all right, this this is how we're supposed to be eating. I don't know what has been going on at home, but, like, that's not quite right. This is, like, the food that we're supposed to be eating. So funny. Uh, and I've come to realize that a lot of it is just that restaurant food is, like, very intensely flavored. You know, my mom was was very sort of, like, simple. She would make, like, a roast chicken and, like, vegetables. And 
Um, I went through that phase in culinary school to really explore the very intensely flavored food. And it didn't make me feel awesome eating like that yeah. all the time. So let's let's get into that then. So you mentioned you went to culinary school. So you're at BC, you're in the lab, you're researching, you're learning yeah. about these different food therapies. And so then what did you think you were going to go into at So that I point? thought while I was doing this research that I would get, I would just stay in the lab. Mm-hmm. And I would get my master's or eventually get my PhD in something and be like a professor or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that there was like that much thought other than I'll just keep doing this. Um, but I wasn't loving how unsocial it was and there wasn't that communication and that storytelling wasn't there Mm -hmm. in that space. So, uh, when I left, I like started this kind of track in media and that so was like an interesting to connection. Move to New York. I knew I wanted to move to New York. I spent a year in Boston after I was a recruiter for like biotech and pharma companies, and that was like an interesting way to kind of cut my teeth in business because it was content that I understood because of my major. Yeah. But it was like I could use all my negotiating skills yeah. and my like relationship building skills and things that I didn't even know were skills but I did well in that job and it made me realize that there was something to that like that it is important to have good relationships and that it is important to be able to sell something yeah and just have like that business acumen that you can't really learn from anything other than like doing it I didn't even like know what that was but I, I I did well in that job and then um yeah, and I was with my ex at the time. Um, we were together. We were like college sweethearts. So we were, he was still at BC. He was, BC. A, year than he was a year younger than me. He was still at BC. And we basically moved to New York together. And Did you always want to live here? I did. I totally always wanted to live here. Yeah. Every time we, I mean, we grew up going to Boston most of the time. And we would come into New York like, every once in a while like a handful of times I had been to New York but every time I was here I just I I hate hearing people be like I just knew but I really felt I really yeah. believed that there was something about the energy of that city that it just like woke something up in me yeah. I mean I felt the same way why do you think that was just something magical <laughs> the I think I mean Putting myself back in that moment, standing on the sidewalk and feeling what I felt, I do still feel when I'm in New York. And it's this feeling that the energy of New York is the same as the energy that courses through my body. Mm. That it's very dynamic, sometimes really beautiful, and sometimes just like the strangest, (laughs) weirdest... um, like even disgusting you know it just felt it's so it just felt so real yeah yeah I feel the same way I want to go back and ask you things about New York but so taking us back chronologically in Mm -hmm. your life so you guys move here together yeah and then is that when you get to work in magazines yep and then I started working in magazines um so I worked at Wired and that was like 
you know, it felt like this interesting little connection to science Hmm. that it was on the publishing side. So it was marketing and ad sales and telling Samsung why they should buy, you know, online ads on wired.com. But I really liked the content of wired. So I felt like good about that. Cool. Um, And similarly, it really helped me understand business dynamics. And everybody there was really smart. You know, I felt like these people really know what they're doing. They've gone to um, good schools. And they've, especially the editorial team, had really dedicated their lives to telling stories in a reputable way. Yeah. Why did you leave that position? It sounds like you liked it so much. Um, I, so then in like 2008, 2009 with the market crash, mm-hmm. it was, it got like very unsettled. And that was also the time in 2009, I was like, I know I want to go to culinary school. So what sparked that? That was, even though I felt very, like I felt proud of where I was working I don't want to say I got bored, but I kind of got bored. <laughs> like, it wasn't a boring job at all. It was very challenging and demanding. Um, I started in late 2005, and then by 2000, yeah, it was 2009, I was going to culinary school. And I was paying my way, and I got offered a job that was. So you were going to culinary school while you were while I was at Wired here, yeah, in New York. here in New York. Okay. Yeah, so I was like getting a little bit restless, let's just say, and like I just wasn't sure what I was gonna do. Mm-hmm. I was like, do it if I'm gonna do this, then I want to be at the top, and do I really want to be at the top? Yeah. And like having a restaurant or having... Well, I mean, even at Condé Nast, like, oh, before right. I even went to culinary school. And so that was when I was like, what What do I want to be at the top mm-hmm. of? And that's where culinary school became interesting to me. God, because yeah. I was like, I do... I would like to kind of, like, master a skill that I'm interested in. Yeah. And so I went to culinary school at night so that I could pay for it. And I got offered a job at another publishing company at Bonnier... And I was like, I've got to take this because it'll just be like, I'll pay off my loan even faster. Yeah. <laughs> and and if that doesn't work out, like that was definitely part of my, like the monkey brain was like, this might not work out. You may not be able to do this. So you better have like a backup. Yeah. Um, but I ended up not staying there very long and actually back at Condé Nast. Like yeah, shortly yeah, after yeah. I... Um, graduated from culinary school so you graduated from culinary school were you thinking that you wanted to be a chef or it sounds like because you were still I wasn't really sure it was like I knew that I loved working with food I loved being in culinary school I knew that I loved it even more than I probably was acknowledging because it was so hard and I still loved it like it was really I remember times leaving my day job and crying because I was like, I'm tired. I don't want to go to, I don't want to like learn how to chop and like learn how to make the perfect omelet. I don't 
want to do that. Yeah. I want to, like, sleep and... Rest after... Like, smoke a bowl with my boyfriend. You know, like, that's, that's, like, what I wanted to do, but I just pushed through it anyway. And because there was, like, some higher voice that was, like, gotta keep going. Yeah. And every day that that would happen, I would just feel so much better. Mm. Uh, yeah. Do you think about merging the two, like working in a food publication, or when you went back to Condé Nast, what publication were you at? I was at, I started in their like media group, just doing like custom ad campaigns, and then I was at the New Yorker. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, one, so you're back at Condé Nast, mm-hmm. you're finishing up culinary school, bring us up to... Splendid Spoon. So, yeah, I mean, Splendid, it's like such a long journey. So, yeah, so I ended up back at Condé Nast. I got married. I had started doing, like, catering. I had a business called Sea Bean Goods with my ex, which was all different, like, it was different soups and stews, but not vegan, and little pastries and um, pestos and, like, baguettes and things like that. And we had a little stand at Smorgasburg. Mm. and that was like another kind of test of like just how much do I really care about this yeah and both of you were working full-time job Mm -hmm. at the time too yeah and that that was hard and we started doing that and it was clear that like we had different ideas of how to do it so after we got married um, there was like maybe like a year, six months or a year while I was still working at Condé Nast, but I was kind of like, this is, it has to be something else. This isn't like quite right. And Brian and I stopped working together. Um, and was I that was part of your relationship to also work together? Yeah. I mean, I really think now that again, to my like, not wanting to like get to the root of things and be uncomfortable I was just putting more on top Mm. and what had really happened with us working together for me was that it had the stress and the urgency of like making food and serving it to people had like revealed a real crack in our relationship and just like different ways of being motivated and different kind of life philosophies that instead of sitting in that like crack or that empty space and really feeling it out I was like let's just fill fill it it up and skim right over it yeah so you just added more stress so I just so we decided not to work together so it was like that seemed like that was instead of like going into it it was like oh let's just like not go there at all yeah let's just not visit that little crack so you're saying that like you're working together and you realize that like something's off and then you were like, oh, it's just what's it's just, off is just the way we're working. Yes. Together. So you just like took that. I mean, away. like yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. But that's course, how I. It seems mm-hmm. pretty clear. And that's to me now. what anyone would do. It because it's a lot easier to stop working with someone than to not be married. Totally to <laughs> right. And and we had been together for eight years at that point. So. Yeah. Um, it's a lot less scary. Yeah, it's a lot less scary, totally. And and then I became pregnant with my first son. And that was a really big wake-up call for me with my self-care. Because I was 
really not, I was so focused on like creating this career for myself, like being the master of my own career destiny that I wasn't taking care of myself. Like I wasn't, I was giving that so much energy and I wasn't acknowledging that I was like a human being. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And so what do you do? So that's when I started doing the mindful meals Mm. because I was like getting stressed again. Yeah. And I was trying to like have a seated meditation practice that just was like, I would like set an alarm and it's like, this is not going to happen. Yeah. Um, or I told myself it wasn't going to happen, so it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so when I started really like thinking about what that meal meant to me and what it was made of and how it made me feel, that's when Splendid Spoon became what it is. It started with just these small shifts that you can make in your everyday. Yeah. And that, yeah, having a nourishing lunch break does make a big difference. Yeah. And having it be made with love and with only really good ingredients and made the way that you would make it at home, like simply and just tastes really good and keeps you satisfied that uncomplicated concept like didn't really exist yeah um and so that's how it kind of came to be born so were you still working at Condé Nast no so I had left by then I had left by then was that a scary leap to make yes and no you know I mean I think I had been working on Seabean Goods, the previous business, for a few years. And so it was no secret to anybody there that I was, like, interested in pursuing a career in the culinary world. Yeah. And I had set it up. You know, like, I had really... I've always really tried to, like, be in control of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And so by the time I was ready to say goodbye it wasn't really that scary for me yeah um I think because I had known that it was there for a few years and I was taking my time to get there so by the time I was like you know what I've got to just do this one thing back to multitasking yeah like I just have to go all in on one and this is the one that I'm going to choose um it was scarier after like, I find that the the actual breaks are not that scary. It's, like, that sort of quiet period right after. Yeah. <laughs> and when, you know, a couple months in or I was, like, really trying to figure out how I would actually, like, make money um, because we were making... It was just me. I was making the product that, like, hired people to help me in the kitchen on certain production days, and I was at an incubator. So were you mostly catering? So it was, like, lunches that you were catering? I started with Fresh Direct, actually. Okay. So I had, like, a little side business, like, subscriptions, and people would order every week, and I had, like, a spreadsheet, and we would, like... I would deliver it, and then I had, like, a bike messenger who would deliver it. Cool. And, and so they were soups. Yep, they were soups. And when and when Splendid Spoon like launched officially, it was it was like a subscription soup business. 
um, with a lot of business with Fresh Direct. And they really made it like possible for me to grow in the first yeah. couple of years. I don't really know anything about Fresh Direct. So is that So they're they're an online grocery store in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really, really popular here. They also have Food Kick, which is like within an hour they deliver to you. Cool. And they're basically like the size of one region of Whole Foods. Oh, okay. So they're big, like it's it's yeah. a lot of volume. Um and or so yeah, about one region. Like they say, it's about the same volume as like seven or eight Whole food stores. Wow. And I was pregnant and talking on a panel, and someone from Fresh Direct was there, and I I brought him a bunch of soups to try, and he was like, "Can you do these for us?" And I was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "I don't know." That's amazing. <laughs> I guess I can. Um, and then I just started doing them. Yeah. So a lot of those early recipes, are those still in the Splendid Spoon mm-hmm. um, repertoire? Not really, actually, because they're really hard to make um, what we did. So two of the, the most popular recipes were our asparagus soup and our local corn soup, which are in my book, but we don't have in rotation with Splendid Spoon anymore because they're so local. Like, you can't make asparagus soup year-round. Right. And you can't really make a sweet corn soup year-round. Yeah. Um, because you're having to get asparagus from so far away, and by the time it... And corn. By the time it gets to you, it's just, like... Gross. Not... doesn't taste yeah. good anymore. And we try to have our operations set up so that it... So that the business is sustainable. So that we can ship to people everywhere in the U.S. at, like, the same price. So cool. And, um do what we can with this, the ingredient sources that are close to us as much as possible. It's so inspiring and so cool how much you've grown. So when was that and how quickly? That was, was that with so that was four years ago. So four years ago. So I was pregnant with Grover. I started working with Fresh Direct um, the end of the beginning of May. Grover was born May 3rd. I'll never forget. I had a meeting with Fresh Direct the last week of April. Your birthday is? April 30th. Oh, really? Yeah, Torrance. He's a Torrance. Yeah, he's a Torrance. So I had a meeting with Fresh Trek the last week of April, and we were joking because my due date was like May 16th, but I was like, I hope he comes on Cinco de Mayo. And they were like, that would be cool. And then he came May 3rd. And then like two weeks later, we were shipping them asparagus soup. Something like that, maybe three weeks later. Uh, but it was really, it was both, it was both like ecstasy and agony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was that really kind of set the tone for life running a startup because it's kind of both of those feelings all at once. And yeah. you, the best thing that you can do is be present to whichever one is there, and know that like both are kind of right around the corner. Yeah. So here you are, a new mom with a newborn. Yeah. And, like, just starting a startup. Yeah. Like, the very beginning of a startup that's about to, like, explode. Yeah. So are you feeling like you're going to explode at that point? Like, where are you mentally? It was, like, so... I mean, it was... I think that that whole experience, the first two years of Splendid Spoon, it was just me on my own. 
the first year with Grover, and then I had my second son, like, right afterward. That was, I believe, the universe getting me out of my head. Because all I could do was move my body to, like, keep things going and be present to my emotions so that I could, like, be ready for being happy at some point. (laughs) Because it was so hard. And I did a lot of, like breastfeeding Grover in the car when my mom would be there and she would stay in the car and then I would run in to check on the kitchen team and we were trying to find an actual manufacturer who could like scale with us because I knew that it was always so important to me that we weren't just like this niche product that was only available to a few people at like a specialty store in New York yeah and all I could do was kind of like put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. I I feel like I should ask this. Well, first I have to ask. So then you also wrote a book in this time? Yes. Oh my gosh. So the first year was primarily Fresh Direct and I still had this like tiny kind of like subscription business. Um, and people were often asking me when I would do like tastings and things like that, people would ask me if I did, cause I was always like, it's vegan and it's gluten free yeah. and people kept asking me for a cleanse and I was like, no, like that's not really like how it works. It's, mm-hmm. it's more about just like resetting your system and you can do yeah. it with like one meal or a couple meals and it's up to you. Cause I've always been a big believer in free will. Um, like I've never... The changes that have happened for the better in my health have not come because, like, someone has just told me to do something. It's been because I have, like, walked with my two feet into that, you know, shift in my habits. Which is, like, the whole... I think we had, like, such a good conversation about this that I wish we would have recorded when we got coffee. (laughs) But, like, that's why diets don't work because it's essentially someone else telling you what works for them. But we're all different. So it's not really... Exactly. And I started to get, like, a lot of requests for it. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make one. And people can do it for, like, a couple days if that's what they're into. And who am I to say? It started to feel like I was actually telling them not to do the thing that they wanted to Mm -hmm. do. So I was like, maybe I should just do that. And And people can be flexible about it. And people can be flexible. And I mean, you can... They're soups and stews. Like, you can treat them as a meal or you can treat them as... A diet reset or whatever it is that is most helpful and press got really interested in it and um, I think it was goop picked it up and it got, that got a lot of press and then I started to and I was working with guilt also at the time so people were starting to like now associate me as like the soup cleanse person and I'm like this is so fascinating um, whatever you know yeah. and But the program really, when I looked at it and looked at what worked for our customers was this, this like sort of reset element that did incorporate a lot of what I learned in that biochemistry lab with what I believed intuitively was good for um, just creating good habits. And science backs up a lot of the small habits adding up to like lifelong results and so I started to feel like a lot more comfortable with the terminology and 
I got approached about a book and I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to write a cookbook and I did kind of like somehow stumble into this whole like cleanse world. So I may as well do it. And so that was at year two of the business. Um, So Grover's two, Caleb was like nine months old. Oh my or five months old. No. Yeah, Caleb was like five months old. New business, two new babies, and a yeah, book deal. And a book deal. And um and really like trying to hold it together. Yeah. Because also my relationship was like not working so well. And trying to figure out again, like trying to like take the layers off of my life. And becoming more and more abundantly aware that that is like some kind of thing that I do is like say yes to lots of I stuff. I do the same thing, yeah. And do you think you do it as a way to hide? I think I do it as a way to not have to stop and feel my mm-hmm. feelings mm-hmm. and just take on things and fill my time. I think so. I think that that's part of it. Yeah. For sure. And and that's why for me, the mindfulness and the meditation has helped because it, I just slow down. Yeah. So I'm less likely to say yes to things. Um, it's interesting because what we're talking about right now, doing that to ourselves of layering things and fill, overfilling our time and doing mm-hmm. that, it's for mental health and maybe our relationships and maybe you know our happiness even... It, in the moment, it's probably not good, but it actually, it's kind of hard to stop because you can be so productive, you know? Like totally. You, can, you started a business and wrote a book and had two kids and you yeah. have this, like, empire now. Yeah. So it's kind of like, maybe it's okay that we go through these Well, years. I mean, I think about that a lot because um, that's what society basically tells us we should be doing. We're all rewarded for, like, accomplishment like physical accomplishment in this world and yet what we're all really striving for is like to be happy to be content to be good to each other to be good friends and parents and daughters and sons you know like yeah and I think because of my parents I have always been connected to that also Mm -hmm. and so that's what has kind of stopped me in that highly productive mode has been like you're not like why are you sitting at a desk and and feeling angry like what's what's this migraine from like you have all of this and yet you are not you don't want to go home and hang out with your husband or when you do you are drinking a lot of wine yeah (laughs) you know and so it's that those basic core values that my parents put in me that what really matters is how you feel about yourself and how you treat others that like wake me up yeah and it was having you know it's interesting because I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have my kids and didn't go through all of what I did in those couple of years so I would never tell someone like stop what you're doing and slow down because I think yeah. you have to learn through experience um, but I also don't think it has to be so jarring and so painful mm-hmm. and that's 
my work now is that I do want to keep building. I do want to keep accomplishing, but the energy that I put into those accomplishments matters. And the way that I attract people to my brand and to work for this business matters a lot. Um, the way that I was doing it before, like in those two years, really wasn't so great. You know, I don't think we would be where we are if I had just kind of like kept plugging along and piling stuff on. I think yeah. it probably would have been successful in some way because I would have just kept forcing it. Mm-hmm. But I certainly wouldn't be enjoying it as much as I am. Yeah. What about... So you write this beautiful book, and the book is so beautiful. Oh, the thanks. Photography and all I mean, that was, like, a big part of my sort of, like, awareness, too, was, like, really thinking about what the brand and, and yeah. the food really meant to me. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm here to do. Yeah, and it really is, like, your energy really bleeds through the entirety of the brand, and it's beautiful, and the, I feel like I should now talk about the soups because <laughs> you guys sent me some soups and I had one today. Like I had them in my freezer. They're so good. Oh, and thanks. not that I had any doubt, but they're so creative with the recipes. I mean, I like talk about it on my Insta stories all the time because oh, it's, it really is like they're just as good as the person. Thank who made you. Them. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, they're delicious and so convenient and right. soup is just such a, I don't know, there's something that having a juice doesn't make me feel right. very good right. sometimes or if you're cleansing in that way and mm-hmm. it doesn't make me feel very good and mm-hmm. this is so grounding and nourishing and it's just such a like great concept so I just wanted to say that. Um, but going back to that time in your life where all of this is kind of bubbling up and you have this the, the book is coming out and you have this business and you have two very young kids mm-hmm. and you're realizing that your relationship isn't what you want it to be. Yeah. How did you have the bravery to admit that to yourself even? Well, I think it really started with just kind of starting to let go of things. And the first thing was I started to hire people. I started to... And this is part of why my kids are such a blessing to me, that without them, I would not have let go. I wouldn't have let go of the cooking and the being there all of the time and the very nitty-gritty, like, detailed work. And once I had my kids, it was, I can't be at every event. I can't lift... 40 to 50 pounds of carrots and put them into a kettle anymore. I physically can't do it. And my doctor won't let me. (laughs) And um, as soon as I started to hire people and they were amazing, I felt like I could breathe a little bit more. And it gave me, it was very scary to do that, not necessarily because I didn't want to hire people and I didn't want to let go, but because I never had any money. Like, I didn't have funds to 
pay people. I had to wait until the business was like a certain size and then hire people hourly. And that was hugely scary for me. And it was really difficult. It was a burden for me, I would say, at first to be unsure of someone's, of my ability to pay someone's salary. Yeah. That was so scary. And it really wasn't until Satish, my business partner, joined and I had started to raise some capital from like angels and friends and family. And Satish is like the logic side of the business and I'm so much more of the team and where we're going and all of the partnerships and he is a lot more goal oriented. He is in charge of our marketing strategy and he went to business school. And so when he started and we formed like real trust, I could really start letting go of things that not only was I not like really so interested in doing, but I was like bad at. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a hard thing for me too because I'm so like much of my youth and much of my nature is that I try to control things and make them perfect. Yeah. And so the biggest nightmare for me is to admit like I cannot do that and not only can I not do that, but I've like fucked it up in the past. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm really bad at it. Yeah. And so to be able to do that and then have Satish and Renee be like, all right, like, so what? Yeah. We'll figure it out. You know, we'll do it differently. And this is our idea of how to do it. And, you know, it, it again really made me understand just how much that monkey brain does not help you. Because mm. in my head, for pretty much up until then in my life, I had imagined that if I admitted I didn't do something right that had like originally been my idea or something, that the other person would be like, you're so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. You know, that other, the voice that you have against yourself is so cruel. <laughs> so mean. It's so mean. Um, and we're constantly trying to overcompensate for that so we don't have to hear it. That's right. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And so, so really, like, letting go. Like, really yeah. just, like, letting go and saying, I have to take care of my body and my baby and, like... I'm going to just believe that you guys can figure it out. Yeah. And when you really believe it, it happens. Yeah. That's the other wild thing. It was like, I really believed that it would, it would somehow all work out. Yeah. So then what does your job look like now? So now... Your day-to-day. Yeah. So my day-to-day, uh, it's funny because I'm doing this like Instagram takeover with Hey Mama. Oh. And I... I really am not so active on social media. So it's like one of the first times that I was really aware of like what I am doing all day. Um, And I'm in charge of product. So I work with our R&D chef and our nutritionist to come up with new flavors and to then partner with our manufacturer to make sure that 
they're trained properly and the quality of the product is how we want it to be and that it's so you're still coming up with recipes with with yeah but will who's our chef he is wonderful and he's so creative and so i'll give him parameters and then he'll come up with a lot of creative ideas and then he'll kind of are you tasting magic all day tasting soups no so i'm i'm doing a little bit of that i'm doing um (laughs) and then i'm doing yeah that is fun and then i'm doing a lot of like vendor management and um scaling strategy Mm -hmm. so like we're growing really rapidly so a lot of what I'm doing now is very operational I'm really working with hiring the right people in our team Um, and we I see myself primarily as the person who should be called when like my team doesn't know what to do like to be there in those moments where the shit hits the fan and to be able to be very clear and confident on how to move forward yeah and because it's a startup, there are a lot of those moments. So I'm in a lot of those moments throughout the day of like, this is very urgent and how do we handle it? Yeah. So that's most of it. <laughs> do you ever sit back and think about, you know, the early days and before Fresh Direct mm-hmm. and just sit back and you're like, I built this. I'm a, there. We have a chef. We have operations we have this huge team and it mm-hmm. wouldn't be here without me like does that sometimes feel I imagine that feeling very big and very you know it feels both it's both like very big and also very humbling because I feel that splendid spoon is its own like energetic force now that would not be here without the customers and all of their feedback and my team and their dedication to work and wear so many different hats and I was just like there at the right time with the seed to put it in the ground Mm -hmm. and I feel very privileged to have been given like I feel like that was like my purpose was like to just plant that little seed and um it's very humbling to me that it is something that people people like apply for jobs with Splendid Spoon. Yeah. It's like both sort of unbelievable and also what I've always pictured. Yeah. What's your? Yeah. Are you really thinking about strategy and growth? And what's your grand vision for yeah. five years, ten years? I mean, so my my vision for Splendid Spoon is that. We are making health accessible to lots and lots of people through these simple solutions and that we can help in the healing process of food. And so that means you know, continuing to grow our direct-to-consumer business, but also being open to all the different ways that people access food um, and all the different ways that people access the how of food. So... Um, like an app experience to really help people with being mindful while you eat and thinking about wellness as so much more than just the size and the numbers and like calories or any of the stuff that's even on a nutrition label um but also being that like strong and supportive helping hand that 
can provide structure when you want it. Yeah. Um, because I don't think that there's a brand that really does that right now. Mm. There's a lot of like buy this all a cart and like it's healthy. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of like really regimented structured plans that I think exclude you from the culture of food. Yeah, and pleasure. <laughs> and, and pleasure, the yeah. that comes with food. And free will. Yeah. Uh, so probably there will probably be some interesting partnerships in the next few years exactly. and lots of interesting flavors for sure. Um, I'd love to have a dinner line at some point because we do breakfast and we do lunch. And yeah, so who knows? So is Swindon Spoon available in stores in New York? The only grocery store it's available on is um, Fresh Direct. Okay. Yeah. And then as the subscription or as... Yeah, or as... I mean, you can order it as a subscription or you can order it just like, I want to have four weeks and I'm going to pick which weeks I want to look at that kind of thing. It's cool what you said about the education piece. I, I really love that. And like we mentioned we met at Wanderlust when you were teaching a workshop and I read that you've taught at Columbia University so teaching is something that I think seems to be intuitive and you're so articulate and personable that it seems to come naturally for you is that something that you want to do more personally in the business I do I mean I think when if people are interested then I'm so happy to share and um it's been very interesting to see how people are receptive to slowing down with their food. Yeah. And that food food for me is mostly that intuitive experience. It's not so much about like this special superfood has this special superpower. It's about moving toward something that nourishes you and being present to that nourishment and and also sharing it with other people. Yeah. Um and it's so magical. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think of when you think about what food really is and what it does in your body, it's the sun is giving energy to plants and they transform it into physical matter that's eaten by you. So cool. And what turned into the cells of your body. How is anyone talking about anything else? I don't like, know. It is so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. And and we never think about it. We We're never just, think like, about it. Living our lives. And, you know, and I'm guilty of it too, of like having a meal in front of a screen or. Yeah. Um, but I think, again, it's back to how we escape our emotions. Yes. And being more conscious of, I'm eating to nourish myself. And, yeah. and when you do that, when you are singularly focused, the you're given this gift of all of the other things that are going on that sometimes are very uncomfortable, but you get to release them and acknowledge them. Um, And one of the things that I will say at the mindful eating workshops is that it might be kind of hard. Like it might be hard to sit for 15 minutes and just focus on your food and that voice will come. And if you really can't silence her, then just write down what she's saying. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to kind of like look at that. Yeah. And it might just be really boring too. Totally. Because we're so accustomed to a podcast being on mm-hmm. or a screen or so much stimulation. If you're eating right now while you're listening to this, pause it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Write down what happens to you. There's an exercise in my book about that, actually. And then come back and just see for this one time. And I, I think, agree. too, it's also great to, you know, welcome back if you um, I, I think it's also nice to have community with food. You know, food mm-hmm. is, it is just, it is nourishment, which is amazing and crazy and beautiful. But it's also community and time with a family yeah. and activity and that's what I love so much about your brand and your company and knowing you that you know some of these because of the my story and so many I'm so careful with the podcast and so many people who listen to the podcast are um, in recovery from an eating disorder right. or find things to be triggering and what I love about this company is it's not a super strict cleanse with no flexibility. It's totally super the opposite. Yeah. You love free will and you love as a person. I know that you really enjoy food and you really, you know, you like eating in out and you're not having soup for every single meal, every single day you're cooking and doing other things. And I think that is so, that's what's so attractive to me about the company. Yeah. Well, flexibility you, I mean, it's so interesting because I had a very fraught relationship with food um, during a few years in college and really became so, you know, again, that the thing that I was trying to control, yeah, my size, the size of my body, trying to control that was this attempt to like be the master of myself. And what I had created was this cage around myself that I could never leave. And that just filled with more and more of those, like, horrible thoughts for myself. And fortunately, I really am grateful for, like, that core that my parents created in me. Because it was like, what is most important here? Like, what really matters? And the only way for me to break out of that cage was to let go (laughs) like to do the thing that was the most terrifying and as soon as you start to do that you get to kind of like look back and say like oh I can't that's crazy yeah I can't believe I was doing that yeah um and in times of stress I can see it now you know like I can see that in a time where you're not in that neutral state we're all up and down it can that monkey brain can trick you into thinking that like holding on tight to something will bring you some kind of relief yeah and you know I think that's like the practice that we do every day in our life is to let go and breathe into that space of just your feet aren't always totally touching the ground and you don't know exactly what's going to happen next, but you're safe. Yeah. (laughs) We want control. I mean, that's why religion exists. Mm -hmm. That's why coping mechanisms exist because we're always in this quest for control. But the thing is we can't control anything. Nothing. And yeah, it's so, I'm glad you brought that up about your body and your relationship to food because that it was so great to hear the whole story of you and Splendid Spoon and that the second act of this podcast is kind of my favorite where I ask people the same questions I ask everyone and, and one of them 
is that we talk a lot about body image and, and food. So yeah. with body image, what I call a bad body image day, mm-hmm. do you, you mentioned that you have, but if you ever have a bad body image moment, what do you do to shift out of mm-hmm. that and not let it become a bad body image week or month or yeah. take you out? Yeah. So the first thing that I do is... I step away from whatever it is. Like, it's usually the mirror. Mm-hmm. I just step away from the mirror. And I take a breath. And I change what I'm saying to myself. And this has come over time. I would say that this has taken me a few years to get to the point where I can, instead of going into that very critical place, I can genuinely say... I am beautiful. Mm. And believe it. And it's taken me a long... I'm 34 now. I think it's taken me, like, my whole life to get there. And I'm not... It's not always... It is almost always there now, I will say. But it's taken me a long time. And one thing that has helped me to get there is... I've done a lot of work imagining, um, like, like a future version of myself, mm. like an older, wiser version of myself. And I started doing this with my therapist, uh, like last year or a little more than that. And then there's also this really wonderful woman called Sharin who has a life coaching business called Wholehearted Coaching, and she does a similar visualization where. You literally close your eyes and picture yourself 10 years. And I do that kind of visualization. Oh, I'm excited to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll introduce you to her. She's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I've started doing those kinds of visualizations with myself. Um, I think I did start doing them kind of in those moments too, where it was like, who is it that I want to be? And not like physically, but like, what's the energy of that person? Um, and slowly that person has become me today. Yeah. And, you know, I want to be you. (laughs) It's almost like energy nice to picture the person older because you don't feel so tied to what that person physically looks like. Mm -hmm. Like if you really picture 10 years to me is like a million years. Yeah. I mean, pick farther out if you feel like you're going to look similar. Because if you look back 10 years, it seems, it so, seems far. so far away. Yeah. yeah, me when I was 24, I was a different person. Yeah. Um, I mean, you are physically a different person. Yeah. You like shed so many body cells yeah. and your hair has been cut a like gajillion crazy. times. And um, your body's always like regenerating cells so like physically you really are like a different person and so picturing me I picture I would picture myself like as this like confident woman like with like scarves on like blowing the wind and I could look at her and say this is a mother and a powerful person who is beautiful and like I don't even see her face or and she's like covered in scarves I love the scarves and (laughs) I don't know and I'm able to kind of because I've kind of done that work consistently I'm able to access her energy 
when I notice that critical, mean voice. Cool. I'm going to do that exercise. Totally. I really totally like should. Okay, another thing I always ask people, what's something challenging that you feel like you've overcome in your life recently? Hmm. We've talked about a lot of things. Recently. Well, I'm still working on it, but with my ex having a much more forgiving um, perspective with him and seeing that with him specifically, the words that he uses and his actions are not personal. That's a huge lesson that I, I, t- I previously, and I still am so sensitive. I take everything personally. You know, like, um, I always say I'm a peach, like a bruise. Oh yeah, totally. And, but yet I'm like so tough and so like strong in appearances. So I think people don't notice that it really like hurts my feelings. And, um, that idea of like, oh, my feelings are always hurt. I don't really feel so much anymore because I have realized that he and lots of other people, but he's a good example because he's so still very important Mm -hmm. in my life and someone who I spend so much time with. Um, He is his own world. Like he has his own experiences and that's the lens that he's looking through. It's not how can I hurt this person. It's just like he sees in his own way and I can't control his lens ever. And because I would take words and actions from him so personally that I would not be able to then have like a productive logical conversation with him. It would be all emotion. Yeah. And with kids, you can't be like that. And that's really like they also were like heroes in that way that Brian and I now have a really positive co-parenting relationship. If you had to give one piece of advice to someone going through a divorce with kids and particularly Mm. young kids, what would you say? Put compassion first and always try to be the bigger person because everything feels so personal in those arguments and in a breakup and really like the best way to go about it is to is to see yourself as as a mother even if you're not a mother or as a father and sometimes the other person will be so upset and you just want to like silence their tantrum and often we try to silence a tantrum by saying mean things and if you look at it as a parent though it's kind of a, more of a bird's eye view and you just let the tantrum kind of run out then you can come to a place of compassion mm-hmm. and that is very hard to do yeah but the more I pushed myself to do that the more I could do it 
the easier it became and the better our relationship became and the less I saw him as like someone throwing a tantrum and just a person who also had emotions just like me and I'm sure he saw me the same way you know it's very it was like equalizing yeah I think that's going to be helpful another thing I always ask people about is about feminism Mm -hmm. and how you define feminism for yourself today and how you act to your feminism Mm -hmm. so I think that all people have a feminine energy and a male energy in them and that as much as we can allow them both to flow freely and look at them as kind of coiled together the better we will be I think from a cultural level we've treasured and been sort of like dominated by the male energy for so long that men have forgotten that they have female energy and women have had a negative voice around their own female energy um and so I'm not a huge believer in um the whole like lean in philosophy that you should act like a man to uh be considered and to be at the table with men I am a big believer in connecting to your voice and finding the right support system so that you can keep strengthening that voice and for me that has meant a male partner male business partner and a mostly female team Um, but I don't really think of it in terms of guys and girls it's really from a business standpoint it's just who fits in our culture and everybody who's in our culture is basically like understands that like male female energy because the whole way that we run splendid is with both like there's um there are all sorts of ancient myths about it like there's um Shakti and Shiva is the Hindu mythology and um, the house and like the ether, the house being the male energy and the ether being the female energy. Um, And when we do our team meetings, we have the house is what I call our KPIs and that's like the logic and the numbers and the structures that just have to be there in order for the house to even exist. Mm -hmm. But in order for it to be a house worth living in, it's all about the ether within it and the relationships. And so then the last part of our meeting every week is, I like, I wish, I wonder. And that's where we connect to each other. And we, every single person says something that they really liked about the week. Maybe it's something they accomplished um, or they send gratitude to a team member something that they wish which is often kind of like a little bit of a regret or something that they're you know not sure is going to go so well uh and then I wonder is something about the future that you're also thinking about and it's a way for all of us to see from the different parts of the business what is pressing on one person versus another and what is really important to one team member versus yourself. I and love that. It's important. How many people on your team? There are about 10 of us. Wow. Yeah. So cool. I love the 
how your KPIs are also with such a great <laughs> myth. Like that is that is like splendid spoon in a yeah. bowl. <laughs> I love that. Okay, another thing that I ask everyone on the podcast is about journaling. And as you know from Wonderlust, I wrote this book about journaling. So mm-hmm. I always am curious about other people's relationship to journaling. Is it something that you do or you've ever done or has mm-hmm. it ever been helpful to you? So I love journaling. I would say that the times that were the darkest for me were times when I had stopped journaling for too long. Uh, And when I was young, my grandmother gave me a five-year journal where for five years I literally wrote down like a few sentences of what I did every single day. And someday maybe I'll start doing it again. Um, I've always... Like, all my teenage years, I always had a journal. And it was always, like, kind of encouraged to me by my mother to journal, to get it out. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone was always like, somehow, this child needs to get it out. Yeah. Um, and I started, within the last, like, year and a half, also writing my dreams down every day. And so I really have a daily ritual of I write down my dreams... I write down anything that's kind of going through my mind. Um, If I don't do it on paper in my actual journal, I will, I use this app called Captio, which is just notes that like appear in your inbox when you send them. I will do that because I'm such a deep believer in articulating, communicating with myself what is going on. And it's really been very, very powerful for me to write my dreams down every day. It's become this interesting kind of chronicle of my inner world. Yeah. And it's deeply relaxing for me. Cool. Well, this is a good lead into my next question that I ask at lunch. It's my favorite thing to ask people. So... What are your morning routines? What are the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning? And how does that affect the rest of your day? So when I'm not with my kids, that's a better way to do my routines. But they float. Like if I'm not with my kids, then I just do my morning routines a little bit later when Mm -hmm. I get to the office. Um, I meditate for 20 minutes. Do you do TM? It's it's a form of TM. It's Vedic, so it's mantra. Yep. So I meditate for 20 minutes. Um, Actually, usually I write down my dreams first, and then I meditate for 20 minutes. And I sit and have my breakfast and I go to work. Those are like, it's really writing my dreams down and meditating. Those are like the two things that I pretty much have to do. I have to do them every single day. Cool. Non-negotiables. What Mm -hmm. about in the evening? What are the last three things you do before going to bed? How do you relax and like get out of work mode? In the evening, it's, I'm out of work mode as soon as I'm with my kids so I'm just making dinner with them. We read a story in bed. That's deeply, deeply relaxing for me. Um, I put my phone into airplane mode. Um, when I'm on my own, I watercolor. Oh, That's cool. like something that I really like to do. And yeah, That's I so just great. kind of like sit and be with myself. <laughs> okay, so these are this is the quick fire round. So just okay. the first thing that comes to your oh, mind. Oh, great, cool. They get. They get progressively harder. I warn you off a little bit. I'm just going to warn you right now. Okay. I, I like, you'll think they're really easy. Okay. I don't know. Okay. 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 
Okay, favorite color? Blue. Favorite day of the week? Wednesday. Favorite hour of the day? Three o'clock. Favorite soup? Red pepper bisque. Ooh. Maybe, and then tell me like three of your favorites. Okay, red pepper, but it's interesting that I said that as the quick fire one, because uh-huh. my favorite that I would say if I had a moment is the masala kitri. Oh. I eat that one almost every day. It's like okra, mung beans. Really you have to have it. Okay. It's like so an Ayurvedic yeah, magic. Yeah, is yeah, like, it's I, it so love it. good. Okay. Um, and the lentil mm-hmm. kale. Love the lentil kale. That's one of our oldest flavors. Fresh Direct had that in the oh, early cool. days. Cool. Yeah. I really liked the apple parsnip mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. So good. That was maybe my favorite. Yeah. I also eat a lot of the celery root one. I don't think I had that one either, but that sounds delicious. That's good. We could talk about this. For a <laughs> okay, back to the question. Um, what is one thing you wish more people knew about wellness? That it's accessible. Love that. What is one thing you wish people knew about you that maybe they don't? That I'm not so... I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> what is the best thing you've eaten in the last week or month that you can remember I had um, swordfish in, on Nantucket that was like unbelievable yeah how was your vacation it was really nice so cool yeah what is the best and worst advice you've ever received oh gosh um, the best advice I have ever received is receive, is advice that I continue to get which is follow your instinct be true to yourself that's like my mom my dad every good mentor and then the worst advice that I've ever received, you know, anytime someone tries to tell me like what to do, mm-hmm. I, I just immediately like throw it up out of yeah. my head. Um, and sometimes it comes to haunt me. And then I know even more that it's like, I really got to just like throw it out of my head. Yeah. Um, I can't even think of any specific thing that someone has told me to do. Uh, I mean, I've gotten a lot of weird yeah <laughs> over the years I think advice, there's this great like um, song that says advice is a way of spitting out the past and redistributing it to someone else you know mm. it's a way of like reliving your past yeah you I think that that's that's probably true yeah okay greatest lesson on family greatest lesson on family is that also you really need to let go like your kids know so much more than you can give them credit for and the more the more I've let go and like trusted that the better it has been yeah greatest lesson on relationships hmm man that's a that's a dense one <laughs> I know I told you they get harder they get hard it's hard to pick like one you know yeah. but I also kind of like generally my theme is like let go you yeah. know like that is that's also true that's probably the biggest relationship that I uh, the biggest relationship it was the biggest relationship that I had and the biggest lesson for me was to let it go I mean yeah. it, it it's you cannot you cannot control these things. Yeah. Greatest lesson on spirituality slash what you think happens when we die. Uh, I think that our dreams are a little glimpse into what our consciousness like turns into when our bodies aren't here. Cool. 
I need to pay more attention to my dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, wh- okay, you have such great style, and you effortlessly look good together <laughs> every time I see you. So what is your... My hoodie. What today. is your... <laughs> Like style rituals or style tips or even just like things you like style wise right mm. now. Well, my biggest tip that I followed for a long time now is I buy forever. Mm-hmm. I don't buy anything for trend. Like I, I very rarely shop at H and M or Zara. Even like I buy a lot of vintage and every once in a while I'll buy something like nice mm-hmm. and I think that just puts a little bit more intention into all of them and it means that just like food like I think what you yeah. how you how you wear your clothes like the type of energy that you put into it kind of comes off and how mm-hmm. you carry yourself yeah and I think it's really closely tied to body image which mm-hmm. is also closely tied to food so it's kind of like body image is in the middle of that Mm -hmm. and then food is on one side and clothes Mm -hmm. and style is on the other side and they're all really connected actually they are yes so approaching it's like how you do one thing is how you do everything kind of Mm -hmm. yeah okay so this next question second to last one is really just a way to recommend things Mm -hmm. so I frame it this way pretend you're stranded on a deserted island and you can only bring with you one music, so it can be something you've loved forever, something oh, you recently okay. like, just something you want to recommend. Okay. Movie, book, TV show, and then a food that you wouldn't get sick of. Okay, so let's see. TV show, I'm gonna go Game of Thrones. I'm just like in that you right watch now. It, oh. But everyone loves it. <laughs> I'm just in it, and I feel like I could watch it over and over again. Um, that's a tough one, though. I feel like I have more TV than movie, but that's okay. Um, you can get, you can get more. Yeah, so I would say Game of Thrones for TV. Oh, also, Twin Peaks, though I love Twin Peaks. I haven't watched it. Oh my gosh, I should watch it. Those those are my two movies. I mean, uh, TVs. And then music. Um, maybe Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads album. That's a really good one. Uh, I also really like the Velvet Underground recently. I've been listening to a lot of them. Also, Stevie Wonder. Maybe Stevie Wonder. He'd be nice on an island. Yeah, <laughs> really nice on an island. Um, movie. <laughs> uh, I loved I Am Love, the Tilda Swinton movie. That's a oh, beautiful movie about food and love. And oh. When did it come it's out? It's really good. Maybe like... Eight years ago. Oh, I haven't heard of it. It's really beautiful. Also, really love Jurassic Park. It's one of my all-time favorites. The new and old one. Old, like the original, original yeah. Jurassic Park. Um, food. What's your favorite dinosaur? My favorite dinosaur. You know, I was really fascinated by the Velociraptors. And are I, those the flying ones? No, those are. The, that's the pterodactyl. Oh, that's right. I was really into the Velociraptor because they were. They're supposedly like right they're like smart and they can like strategize how they hunt cool so i always thought that was kind of cool um and then food yeah food hmm on the desert island so i guess there would be like lots of fruit there right uh probably kitchery i would eat a lot of kitchery it's so good it's so good i have to try that one what flavor did you say this is it's like uh so it's 
lentils and mung beans and okra and yeah, I love okra. A little bit of ginger and spinach and mm. it's just really good. It's delicious. Yeah. Oh, and book. Oh, and book. A book that made a big difference to me was Crime and Punishment. I could probably read that one. I mean, if I'm on Desert Island, yeah. there's a lot in that one. Yeah. That's very interesting. Good choice. Okay, so the name of the show, we said it a million times, is to let it out. <laughs> so do you have anything to add? Did I ring you dry? Anything that you wished I would have asked you? Anything that you want to share now? Hmm. I feel like we covered so much. You know, I mean, I guess the only thing that I would say that I kind of end every conversation with is I'm just so grateful that I do what I do, that I can meet someone like you. And this was such a nice interview. Uh, it's like so thoughtful. And I feel like I learned, it's weird. Like, I feel like I learned something. Good. I don't, I don't know quite what the lesson is yet, but I'll, it's, yeah. there's like a lot there. I think it's maybe just the power of connecting with people. Yeah. and someone who has no agenda other than listening yeah well it's interesting someone said to me once uh, I think they might have been an interview with Terry Gross but they said a good interview should feel to the interviewee like a therapy session Mm. so I really just want these to be a love letter to you of like the winding path of your life and to really showcase that because I hand curate these to only pick people that I'm really curious and interested in which I think everyone has a story but anyway so thank you for being so honest and vulnerable and real and spending so much time and I'm just so happy to know you and be your friend all right guys that was my episode with Nicole the big spoon at splendid spoon I hope you liked the episode as much as I did I really love her if you're curious about splendid spoon and want to try it again for $20 off your order just use the code let it out at checkout. Let it out and that will get you your $20 off. Thank you so much to Nicole. I love her. I just I think she's the best. Okay, I also want to mention since we talked about mindful eating, Robin's chewing challenge that I'm doing as well. It starts on October 4th, which isn't till next week, but anyway, just wanted to give you a heads up. And next week on the podcast, I have such a great guest, which I'm going to tell you about. But first, let me just thank the sponsors one more time to Care Of. We love Care Of in this family of the podcast. They deliver to you right to your house exactly what you need nutritionally. You just go to their website, take a quick quiz about your diet, your lifestyle, and then they curate for you exactly what vitamin combination you need. And they source the best quality ingredients and their packaging's great. We love them. Go to takecareof.com and use the code Katie, that's my name, K-A-T-I-E, at checkout for 50% off your first order. If you haven't tried them yet, try them. Might as well. Also, thank you so much to my friend Chris and past podcast guest Chris's company, which is Franklin and Whitman. They are my favorite skincare brand. I use all of their products. I love their face masks. And this week, I want to highlight their hair serum. I've been using it, and I I think it's working, guys. My hair is feeling extra soft. So check them out. All cruelty-free, all natural. They donate 5% of everything to dog rescue, and they're great. 
So if you want to get your discount with them, the code is also Katie at checkout and that gets you 20% off your order. Katie, K-A-T-I-E at checkout, 20% off at Franklin and Whitman, also known as Frank and Whit. Okay, on to who is coming up on the show next week. If you are still listening to me rambling right now, you're a goddamn saint, all right? It's a long podcast, and the fact that you're still listening makes me very grateful and happy. Next week's long podcast is with Dr. Emily Kybrid. I met her a couple weeks ago. She has a practice here in New York City in Manhattan in Midtown. You're going to hear all about her next week, but she's a doctor, a chiropractor. She's helped me a ton. I've learned so much from her. She's actually from Michigan, weirdly. I love her, and I can't wait for you to hear the episode. Her clinic is called Urban Wellness Clinic, so if you want to check it out and do some preliminary research, feel free. Or if you want to be surprised, don't do any research, and I'll tell you all about her next week. I love you guys. The emoji for this week's episode, oh shoot, I completely forgot. Let's do the spoon. It's so easy. The spoon is the emoji of this week's episode. If you are still listening right now to my ramblings, tweet at me, tweet at Splendid Spoon, comment on our Instagrams, the spoon. It's easy and you'll remember it. Talk to you guys later. I love you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to join the online Facebook group, it's growing and I love it and it's a great way to meet other people who listen to the podcast and to talk with me and our guests the link is in the show notes as all of the other links we talked about today talk to you guys next week love you bye